Vancouver. Jeff Patterson with you from the Save on Foods Memorial Center in Victoria. Yes, recording it at the rink. That's what we do uh, when we take the show on the road. We were in Penticton last weekend and now at Vancouver Canucks training camp. A couple of days in the books and certainly some interesting observations. Patrick Johnson of Post Media is going to stop by and we'll pick his brain about what he has seen through the first couple of days and what he still wants to see from so many of the hopefuls that are vying to make the Vancouver Canucks. Rink White is always a presentation of Bodog Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. This may be a little bit of a briefer version than you're used to with Rink Wide, but uh, trying to put it all together, and Patrick's got a ferry to catch as well. So uh, in the interest of brevity, uh, we will cram all of our thoughts together. But a little later on, you're going to hear from Niels Hoaglander. That's a name that you're likely to hear throughout this podcast because he was one of the stories on the opening day of training camp, certainly getting a chance to skate alongside Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, Vasily Podkolzin getting a chance to play with JT Miller and Brock Besser. So the youngster is being put in a position to succeed right off the hop. And if you recall, Podkolzin's very first day on the job out in Abbotsford two training camps ago, he was with JT Miller then. Connor Garland was on the other side. But uh, Miller and Podkolzin... Uh, have forged a little bit of a bond, and it was interesting hearing J.T. Miller after the first day of sessions here in Victoria talking about there's some things in Pod Colson that remind him of him at a younger stage in his career in terms of, you know, high expectations, first-round pick, being sent to the minors, having to rediscover your game and continuing to learn. And so uh, J.T. Miller still uh, has high hopes for Vasily Pod Colson, and we'll see if he kind of takes him under his wing here at camp and through the preseason and on to the regular season that now, just a couple of weeks away, October 11th, that first game against the Edmonton Oilers. The news to come out of the first day of training camp, I suppose, was we learned on Wednesday that Ilya Mikheyev was uh, supposed to be here in a non-contact jersey. And then as the Canucks got onto the ice in Victoria, uh, the team put out a, a note that Mikheyev had left the hockey club briefly for personal reasons, led to believe uh, he's back in Vancouver dealing with a family matter said to be not serious, and then there's some question about whether he'll make it back to Victoria in time or whether he just joins the team when they get back to the mainland. Some Canucks, we don't know who yet, but a group of Vancouver Canucks will suit up on Sunday in Calgary to launch the Canucks preseason first of six exhibition contests. And again, just a little bit of a quirk in the schedule in that the first three are all on the road, Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle, and then they play those same three teams uh, as home games for the Canucks, two of them at Rogers Arena and one against the Kraken out in Abbotsford. Uh, the other news, I suppose, in the first day, and again, we'll get into more of this with Patrick and see what he thought uh, were some of the real storylines to jump out on the opening day of, of this camp. But uh, Casey DeSmith, that's been a whirlwind 48 hours since being acquired by the Vancouver Canucks, had to make his way uh, across the continent, get to Vancouver, do physicals, and then get on uh, the bus to Victoria. And here he is, been on the ice uh, with the team now a couple of times, uh, still decked out in Pittsburgh Penguin colors. Of course, he was Montreal Canadian property, but he had been told by the Habs that uh, they weren't likely to keep him, that uh, they would look to move him. So uh, I'm not even sure if he ordered Montreal. He probably did because their training camp was set to begin as well. But uh, whatever the case, uh, the Penguin stuff is broken in. It's familiar. And so he was wearing black and white and yellow pads. Uh, here in Victoria, that will change in time, but uh, probably not until some point in the preseason or maybe even closer to the start of the regular season. So lots to cover off here. We'll do that with Patrick Johnson of Post Media. This is Rinkwide Vancouver, the training camp edition from the Save on Foods Memorial Center 
in Victoria. And Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by the Applewood Auto Group, the official auto partner of Rinkwide Vancouver. Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best in-class experience only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver. It's all good at Applewood. It's all good here in Victoria. It'll get even better when Patrick Johnson of Post Media joins us on Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Rinkwide Vancouver, although I suppose Patrick Johnson of Post Media, that's really it's Rinkwide Victoria, as the Canucks have taken their show on the road. A couple of days in the books, and certainly some storylines have emerged. It seems the organization pretty happy with what they've seen from the first couple of days. What's jumped out at you from Two days of on ice sessions here at Savon Foods Memorial Center. Well, for, first of all, it is that Homelander put Coles an opportunity anyway. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, two days in a row sticking with that, with those lines. You know, people ask you, what stands out? And you're like, well, nobody, you know, there's no Stan Smeal running Harold Snaps through the boards anymore. Uh, but it, it is the patterns like that, seeing how things shake out. Uh, you know, we saw Carson Sousey switching over to the right side on, on Friday. Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes obviously getting a rotation of partners. I find that interesting that they're not quite sure. You know, Rick Tockett isn't quite sure how he's going to go in that direction. Um, you know, it, it's just the little bits like that, seeing how it's going to shake out. I mean, obviously, everybody's positive. Everybody's upbeat. Uh, I appreciated Brock Besser on today on Friday admitting, yes, feeling a little sore this morning after, as he called it, a couple of weeks of just pond hockey. They actually get things going here. So we'll see. You know, obviously, game on Sunday and, and get kind of get running off to the races next week with four games. Um to me, it's just, yeah, we can see what the patterns are. What are what are we going to be paying attention to? And the storylines are being set up. I want to attack some of those in a moment. But one of the things that really stands out to me, and we saw this almost from day one, because that first week that Rick Tockett took over, the Canucks went down to Seattle and got absolutely crushed. And he talked about boot camp. And, you know, if, if guys aren't going to listen to the message, like, I'm going to stop practices. The amount of teaching that he does yeah. is really quite impressive, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that's what training camp is for, is to instill messages and systems and those types of things. Not a lot of yelling. Uh, you know, like there isn't an anger. It's just really like classes in session. The repetition, he used that word yesterday. And, and you have to sort of do all the basics right the first time to execute in the big picture. And, and certainly there's a belief here. And people always ask me, what do you think you're talking? You know, what do you, do you like? To, and I, I say, I really like talking to him. I think he's interesting. Uh, I, I'm never sure if what he's saying actually matters, uh, you know, because in the end you need good players. You need your players to play well. Uh, you need your goalie to be good. You know, you need to be able to kill penalties. You need your power play to run. Like these are all three basic things. Of course, last year we saw a transition between the two coaching staffs uh, and, and coaching philosophies, really. And, and there was an improvement in play. But was that just as much about personnel or was that about any particular detail that Tockett was highlighting? But yeah, that idea of repetition, you mentioned that yesterday. And as you said, talk, take pausing to talk, which you're sort of, you know, I mean, I used to be a coach and that coach brain is the guy should never stop moving, but he's taken 
the moment. It's like, this is the drill. This is what we're doing. You know, and we, we haven't seen, remember, you know, Travis Green would do that a lot. Remember, you know, he would, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux did it as well, but, you know, there were those moments where he'd get on the guys. Come on, are you paying attention to doing this? One of the other things the players mentioned yesterday was how you're off on the ice, you're off the ice, you're getting video. There's a lot of sort of back and forth interactive uh, explanation of what they're trying to do. Make sure that they're getting an understanding in all different ways. Uh, in the end, of course, got to go out and execute. But if they built it up, that's certainly the mentality we have here. And then there's those little moments. You know, Brock Bester made the reference yesterday. There was a bit of a sneaky bag skate in that pursuit drill that they were doing, the breakaway and then pursuit drill. And even today, there was a bit of something like that. There was, you know, the two-on-two. These guys had to go down, work hard, then sprint to the other end of the ice, work hard again. Uh, and that sort of trying to make sure, how do you do at the upper end of your of your cardio ability? And, and at the same time, as you said, execute on those on those basics, get the repetition, be standing in the right place at all times. The two-on-two backcheck drill was fascinating because, I mean, so much of this game, you have to defend tired. Like, you can't just, I mean, sure, perfect world, you'd spend all your shifts in the offensive zone, but it doesn't work that way. And so I kind of liked that drill early in camp to simulate some game. Like, there hasn't been scrimmage yet as we record this, and there is one coming up on the weekend, but trying to simulate some game situations into the drills that they're doing here. Well, because it's that reinforcing thing. You're tired, you make mistakes. You know, if you've ever played, you know how many mistakes you're, you're terrible own your own beer league team makes as they get more and more tired but at the nhl level of course you make one mistake and that could be the difference in the game and so getting those habits sort of formed even when you're tired so that what you lean back on is the right thing as opposed to a desperation thing yeah you're absolutely right it's interesting to see how they handle those and how they're trying to build up to uh, be a team that uh, is going to try to limit its mistakes i think what jt miller said yesterday try to try to limit those grade a's make them b's or c's Another thing that I find interesting is, you know, Talkett is the head coach, so obviously everything is on his watch, but he's talked repeatedly about how much he leans on his assistants. We have seen Adam Foote at the whiteboard. He's talked about giving Jeremy Colton a voice. On Thursday, they had eight coaches on the ice for... You know, essentially 20 skaters and a couple of goaltenders. And, and, you know, you see the Sedins, and they're they're kind of, right now, they're worker bees, you know, and and that... You can see how that's actually important in a coach's development. I mean, I always think one of the criticisms I think I have, have most often of hockey coaches, especially at the top level, is that there doesn't seem to spend a lot of time spent on what you don't know, what you need to improve on. And and so we're seeing CDs do that. But you're right. There's a lot of teachings, a lot of ability to give feedback. And, you know, we heard it last year from the likes of, say, Sergei Gonchar, who who, you know, is remote half the time, but he's able to interact with these guys and, and get back and forth with them. Um, the, the idea that, you know, you can give feedback even if you're not there. And, and, and the way, you know, he mentioned it and it was fun, interesting. We talked to Mike Komoserik in a development camp and he said, you know, you get, you can send them the clips, you can send them your feedback. And then almost, you know, you get up in the morning and as everyone seems to do now, everyone looks, lies in their phone, lies in bed, looks at their phone. What, and the, the players will look at it right away. And, you know, Gonchar said he was pleasantly surprised. So there is, that is where we're going. You know, that is, this is, this is where all sports are, but hockey is too, I think, having that that sort of broad base of teaching, that broad base of support, talking about it. Because in the end, as you know, we've sort of already touched on, it's that you've got to know how to do it right the first time so that you're not having to, having to recover from mistakes that you've made that were avoidable. I don't know if you're like me. I had some people on social. You're reaching out in my timeline. Like, who stood out? And again, it, it, this these first couple of days really haven't been about evaluation. It has been trying to get everybody on the same page, both the guys that are going to be here with the NHL team, but also there's been a lot of talk about organizational, you know, uh, this top to bottom, sort of this 
symmetry, I guess, and the messages that the guys in Abbotsford are getting are going to be the same ones that are being preached at the NHL level. And so, uh, you know, individual evaluation will come here as they transition into the NHL preseason. But, you know, let's get back to, and I agree with you, I mean, the two big stories were these youngsters getting a great opportunity, particularly Hoaglander. And, you know, I had a good chat with him uh, after day one, and really the best conversation I've ever had with Nils Hoaglander, who just now into his fourth year, I think that there's a comfort level in his surroundings, his environment, but never lose sight of the fact that, you know, in a relatively short period of time in this organization, the only NHL organization he's known, you know, three NHL head coaches, two American Hockey League head coaches. He started that first season before he came to Vancouver playing in the SHL, so another coach and another, like, this is a young guy that's just had a ton of different voices in his head. And last year was a difficult one. He didn't ever play under Rick Tockett. So, you know, it would have been easy if Tockett had started camp and had him further down the line and sort of said, you know, show me, kid, like, prove it and work your way up. But I kind of like the idea of, you know, a little candy for him on day one and, and into day two as well. And let's see what he can do with the opportunity to play with Elias Patterson and Andre Kuzmenko. Well, and that idea of this is who we need you to be. Are you going to be this guy? Absolutely. You talk about, I mean, the other thing, don't forget, Hoagland, his first season is literally the COVID season, which is, you know, the most sort of, other than the bubble, the most bizarre sort of training experience I think any hockey player will ever experience. Um, and, and had some success in the midst of that. And then, you know, I think lost his way, obviously, last year. But we saw, you know, you were out watching some Calder Cup playoffs. I was too. You know, he was probably the best player on the ice, uh, at least in that first round. And, and just the ability to get on the puck to make a decision, to force a change, get that energy. You know, Rick Talk has talked a lot about we need energy and clearly identifying him and Pat Colson as being guys to do that. I mean, Pat Colson mentioned that to us today. You know, I need to be an energy guy um, and just be working, be working, be working. JT Miller mentioned with Pat Colson, you can't just be one out of three times. Can you do it every time? And that's the same thing with Ho- Hoaglander. In the end, you, you're putting him with, you know, two high-octane players, two, two players who play at a very high level and are very demanding in what they want from their line mates. Um, in, in Pedersen and Kuzmenko. And uh, certainly you, you think back to the, the, the player that the Canucks hoped he would be when they drafted Hoaglander in, in 2019, you know, a guy that has great hands around the net. Uh, I think Judd Brackett at the time used the word motor, you know, just doesn't stop moving, keeps moving. And he he's certainly been that player at a lower level. Now it becomes that question, can he make that one, you know, it's a you know, 1% difference, however you want to put it, between the AHL and the NHL. And he's been successful at the AHL. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, he certainly should be able to win the spot. Whether he can make it happen is what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. Well, and part of the story, too, is Ilya Mikheyev was already going to be behind coming into this camp, but we thought he was going to skate with the C group in a non-contact jersey. And then uh, we learned that he's not here in Victoria, personal leave, uh, not believed to be serious. So he'll join the group at some point, but nobody Nobody knows sort of where he is ultimately in his readiness as October 11th approaches. And so, you know, are one of these guys, Hoaglander or Pod Colson, you know, are they placeholders? Is this more than that? Is this a legitimate opportunity? And of course, Pod Colson played for Talkett a little bit at times last year. Hoaglander didn't get that opportunity. And I thought it was really interesting yesterday when Rick Talkett admitted he doesn't know that much about Niels Hoaglander, the person. Or the player said he'd talked to Travis Green uh, about him. Also said he's really leaning on not just Jeremy Colleton, but the player development staff. And I mean, again, that's what you want in an organization is guys that can provide feedback for a head coach so that he can arm himself with as much information. But, you know, for Hoaglander, 
like this is a little bit of a, a blank slate and coming and trying to put his best foot forward for Rick Tockett for the first time. Yeah, you know, the other role, I mean, Archdeep Baines skating with Pia Suter and, and Connor Garland, um, as I think as much of a test to see how close is this player who had just finished his first year of pro, but they really like how he's worked on the details and has been just a hardworking player coming up. Um, you know, there's another spot maybe for McCabe or like he's, or maybe a bum Hoaglander down there. I mean, the, the, those parts are the fascinating parts. Um, I, I, I am interested in, yeah, how far away is McCabe? We'll see. You know, obviously the expectation was, it was, you know, mildly interesting that Patrick Alphine said, yes, he will be skating at camp. We know he wasn't ready. You know, when, when I talked to Dan Milstein last week, I think it was, you know, he said, well, I think, you know, there's a chance he'll play in those last two preseason games. We'll see how this sets, you know, obviously he said family issue, it sounds like, um, how this, you know, sort of sets back that plan. You know, maybe it's just literally two days, whatever it is. Um, it, it's an interesting lineup. It is, a, is it a playoff quality lineup? I think so. But as Jim Rutherford says, we don't want to be in a position where we have to say, we need everything to work. He says, right now, I think if everything works, we'll be a playoff team. But there's, he, you know, to me, that what I took from him saying that was that there's no margin for error. And, you know, especially in this division, there is no margin for error. This team doesn't have any margin for error. And they, you know, they need things to go right. And they need, they need Niels Hoaglander to work out. They need Vasily Puck Colson to work out. They're going to need other guys to work out. Um, and that's, you know, that's where we're at. That's what's, again, the question, what stands out to you? You mentioned that before, and I've had the same question. Well, what stands out to me is all the questions that remain. We touched right off the top about Quinn Hughes and who is going to get the opportunity on day one to play alongside him. That was Noah Juleson. But on day two, Carson Soucy playing over on the right side as a left shot guy. This comes after Rick talking on Wednesday at the podium with Alvina Rutherford. Talked an awful lot about how he isn't really sold on you know, lefty-lefty combinations. And then again on Thursday, sort of doubled down on that. And then Friday arrives, and there's Carson Soucy. So it is clearly an experiment. Again, training camp is the time for some of that. But uh, the fact that Noah Juleson was there on day one, good for Noah Juleson. He played a little bit with Quinn Hughes at the NHL level last year and didn't look out of place. But uh, clearly, that's not his spot at this stage to to hold on to. He's getting a look there, but uh, I think there's still open auditions when it comes to finding the right fit for Quinn Hughes. Well, there was something Tockett said at the end of Thursday when he talked about why he likes the right shot, and you know that you need to be able to put the puck on Hughes' stick and quickly, because Hughes can get going. And there was a play, you know, late in yeah, Thursday's Thursday, yeah, Thursday's practice where where Jolson delivered a pretty bad pass. It was, you know, it reminded me a little bit of of Pedersen's first year. And you remember Ben Hutton got the first run as the, as the kind of run the power play and Hutton, his pass wasn't consistent. It would, it wouldn't land in Pedersen's wheelhouse. And that's the difference between being a top guy and a bottom guy. And to this point in his career, Noel Juleson has been a bottom guy at best. He had this run with Hughes. They liked the look of him, but at the end of the day, there's a reason why he has mostly bounced up and down. And I, and so you're sort of skeptical whether that works out. Yeah. Susie obviously has an established NHL career, but he's a left shot, and that pass is different. Susie, you know, interestingly enough, when we talked to him yesterday, he obviously got asked about it, 
um, and even though he had been playing on the left yesterday, you know, he said, yeah, there's obviously there's advantages and disadvantages. There's moving the puck across, which is challenging because you're collecting the puck uh, off off your backhand generally on the boards. But then you're facing the net. So as a shooter, it's great. But he's not there to shoot. He's there to he's there to get the puck to Quinn Hughes. And if he has to make that extra step, you know, there's all these little moments. These are the things matter. You know, you see you see the player fall down and make the mistake. But it's how did he get to that spot? How did you know all these little things add up? And um, I am it, 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 for all the work they did this summer. You know, and and you can argue about whether it was the right moves. You know, obviously they were going to buy out OEL, replacing him with all these kind of mid to lower tier guys to fill out your roster. Uh, certainly a roster building strategy that we've seen before and I think fans are you know, rightly skeptical about. It, it did seem curious that in the end they didn't find another right shot D really to put in with Hughes. I mean, will we see Tyler Myers? He's been there before. Will we see Phil Pronek? I mean, I think their instinct is to not have Hughes and Pronek together, but maybe that ends up being where you're at. But then, you know, what, what are you leaning on Tyler, Tyler Myers to be? Will you go and Ian Cole, Carson Soucy kind of shut down pair? Like, how are you going to manage all these things out? And then how does your third pairing shake out? You know, is that where Myers is? Who's going to play with him? Is it going to be Will Annan? Is it going to be, you know, Jack Rathbone? Is it going to be Akito Hirose? Like, there's all these, you know, what, five or six guys in, in the mix for those sort of the five and seven spots, I think. And um, th- there's a lot of questions, I think, still about how this defense core is going to shake out. And I'm glad you brought up some of the challenges of playing on your offside at the National Hockey League level because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, defending on your offside, that really isn't the issue. I mean, most of these guys are skilled enough that they can in zone defend, but so much of this game now in the offensive zone is low to high. And you think about that, like, if the guy down low gets the puck back to the point, you know, you're taking generally that pass on the back end, what, and then you're limited in what you can do, and and sort of that's the advantage. You're right. If you can get it to your forehand, yeah. your shot is closer to the net, but it's the act of getting the puck into a, a shooting position, and a whole lot has to happen uh, before that's the case. All right, uh, Elias Patterson, our first chance to talk to him uh, since the off season. He's been back in town and skating. He had, you know, denied requests out at UBC yeah. to wasn't available at the Jake Milford Golf Tournament when some others were. Uh, he had to know that the questions were coming and a fair bit was made. And of course, you know, the one clip about his contract was the clip that was making the rounds. But I, I mean, really, I, you were in the scrum. I mean, I think there were three of about 20 questions were related to the contract. So it wasn't like he was bombarded, but a little bit of edge to his answer. And clearly, he didn't want to get into an awful lot of discussion, which is fine. That's his prerogative. But overall, how do you think he handled uh, the topic when it was presented to him? Well, he, he's not wrong. It is a discussion point because, yes, that's what we do. But, you know, the fan, it's not just media. It's fans. People want to know what's the future of this team. Is he going to be happy here? Is, you know, I, he's going to show up. And he's going to play hard. You know that. Uh, he wants to win. He's he's a competitor. He's passionate. He wants his team to play in the playoffs. He wants to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, these are these are things that I think are pretty certain. Um, of course, the long view is something that people want to look at. Players try not to avoid that. Um, certainly, we can see in JT Miller a at least for now. I feel like he's more relaxed, more sort of. He, well, he doesn't have to deal with those questions. He didn't like dealing with those questions. I don't think players in general. I'm not sure anybody would like to deal. I don't know what's your contract status. How's your business? You know, like you and I know these things very well. Um, I thought, yeah, he he handled it pretty well. He he came in. Um, he's I don't think it's any secret. He's never a guy that's a huge fan of doing media, doing scrums. But I, you know, 
he knows it's part of the job and if you're going to be a top player it's part of being a top player and, and he stood at it. it was it was i mean I, I can't remember how long it was it was a pretty lengthy uh back and forth you know there was like you said the the standout was the discussion or the the the, the talk about his contract extension but there were a lot of other things about playing with kuzmenko about playing with hoaglander um you know, he he and Quadrelli had a great conversation about stick flex. Dave's been working on this. You know, so that he was engaged in there. He just, you know, in the end, he's a guy that's gotten a little media coaching, and it's like talk about the things you want to talk about, or just kind of give. You know, he's or you can shut down. There were a couple later questions sort of about future, and he just shut them down. He says, "I'm just here to play hockey." Well, and play hockey, he will. I don't know if he'll play on Sunday in the first preseason game. Probably a good chance that he won't uh, with three on the road and three at home. I think you work to a veteran status and you don't have to play too many road preseason games. But we'll find out the Canucks lineup for Calgary on Sunday. Uh, The very fact that there are games, that's a good thing. It'll start to you know, produce some storylines that we can chew on into next week and beyond. You've got a ferry to catch, so... Uh, we appreciate you, as always, stopping by, being a part of Rinkwide Vancouver slash Victoria. Patrick Johnson of Post Media, thanks so much for this. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Frankwide Vancouver is brought to you by AG1 for a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs. With your first purchase, go to drinkag1.com slash Vancouver. As we approach the start of the National Hockey League season, some interesting Bodog lines that you may want to check out. Uh, we talked about uh, individual player and team point totals, win streaks and, and losing streaks. I think we went over that on the last program. Kind of like these ones, head-to-head, pretty simple, who do you think he is going to have more regular season points? And they've got a lot of different player options for you. Artemi Panarin versus David Pasternak, who finishes higher in terms of overall points. We're not talking goals here, straight up points. Same with Austin Matthews versus Kirill the Thrill, Kirill Kaprizov, Brad Marchand, the new captain of the Boston Bruins against Ovi, Braden Point, and Kyle Connor. How about Connor McDavid against the field? Are you taking Connor McDavid or... Is there a chance? And you hate to even go down this road. Oiler fans, cover your ears, but injuries happen. He got hurt early in his career. You know, what if there's a setback there? There are a lot of good players in the National Hockey League. Connor McDavid versus the field. Jack Hughes versus Jason Robertson. Leon Dreisaitl and Nathan McKinnon. That's a pretty tasty matchup there. Miko Rantanen versus Mitch Marner. So all sorts of individual player bets that you can look at, uh, team action as well. Check it out online at Bodog. Been a tough couple of years for Nils Hoaglander, obviously getting sent down to the minors last year for the Vancouver Canucks, but seems to be in pretty good spirits. And considering when he broke into the National Hockey League as a just-turned-20-year-old in COVID, young player, far from home, new league, new country, new everything, uh, it was quite an adjustment, obviously, for Hoaglander. Uh, That was a few years ago. He has seen an awful lot in his brief time in the Vancouver Canucks organization. Bunch of head coaches, management groups. He's been up and down, so he's had different voices in his ears. And people have pointed out as well, remember when he arrived on the scene to start that all-Canadian division training camp? He started that season over in the Swedish Hockey League, so yet another coach, another voice, 
Uh, you know, just a, an awful lot of discovery for a young guy. I have to say, when I talked to him after day one of training camp, easily the most engaged that I have seen Nils Hoaglander. Now, some of that probably coming from the fact that he was in that spot on the first day with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, and he really couldn't have asked for a whole lot more than that. So it kind of feels like Hoaglander has grown up. It's going to be interesting to see how he applies all that he learned down in Abbotsford last year and the message that was sent from the organization to go down there sort of learn other parts of the game. Nobody doubts his offensive side, but uh, there are three zones on the rink, and it's clear uh, whether it was Travis Green, Bruce Boudreaux, or the management group last year before Rick Tockett got here that felt that Hoaglander still had things to work on. So he's back, seems to be in really good spirits, and had a good chance to talk to him about the opportunity on day one to play along with Elias Pet- alongside Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. Give me a lot of confidence. Um, of course, I want to show them I can, I can play there. Uh, win some pucks. Um, I mean, two really good players. So I just play my style and try to forecheck and play hard and um, win a lot of puck battles. Nils Hoaglander of the Vancouver Canucks, at least we say that. Uh, pretty good chance, especially when the Canucks moved out Tanner Pearson earlier in the week. That frees up one more roster spot and it's one less body here that a guy like Hoaglander has to contend with. And I commend Rick Tockett. Uh, look, he could easily have said, you know what? I'm going to start a guy like Hoaglander on a line with Sheldon Drys and Jack Stanika, and I'm going to make him earn a promotion. I'm going to make him work to get to one of the top lines. Instead, they said, you know what, from day one, I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. It's up to you now to make the most of it. And uh, Hoaglander, on day one at least, looked like uh, a guy that was in there doing what he does, which is win puck battles, the boards, uh, you know, trying to make plays with the puck when he has it. And again, we'll see about the scrimmage and into preseason, more game situations to see a little bit more about his defensive awareness. But I would say a very good start across the board uh, for Nils Hoaglander here at training camp in Victoria. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Rinkwide. Uh, again, thanks to Trevor Martins putting the program together. Thanks to Patrick Johnson who stopped by a little bit earlier on here at the Save on Foods Memorial Center. And thanks, as always, to our presenting sponsor, Bodog, Canada's Choice for sports odds, poker tips, and casino games. Check them out online. On to the preseason. Yeah, the Canucks are playing games this weekend, or at least a game this weekend in Calgary. Start of a six-game exhibition schedule, and uh, we will now start to see some of these storylines that we've all been following all offseason. Things will start to fall into place as the true evaluation period begins. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. My name is Jeff Powell.